Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 90. Hey guys, welcome to the show. If it's your first time listening, I want to say thanks. Glad you're checking it out. I'm not sure what took you so long. We're on our 90th episode. That's crazy, and I'm so glad that you're checking it out. If you are a repeat customer, hey, thanks for coming back, checking this show out. I really appreciate your support, kind words. I get emails here and there and um, uh, different things, and I'm just grateful for that. Uh, Today, we're going to dive into our crazy story. If you've seen the title, you know what this one is about. Um, Really good stories from our guest today. I'll talk about that in a second, but I had to give you a quick update on my hunting season. Um, And it's been going pretty well so far. In fact, I've accomplished one of my first uh, early season goals, and that was to help my friend Corey get his first deer. Last Thursday, we went out. The trap was set. I put out the corn, uh, wanted that deer to come in, whatever it was, to come in and give Corey a nice, easy, slam dunk standing shot. And that was the plan. Well, you know, things kind of go crazy. So I got above Corey in my saddle. He's below me in a lone wolf hang on stand. And um, I set it all up for him. I put a lifeline in the tree and all that stuff so it'd be easy. And he's sitting there. And I was doing some different videos and stuff. I was learning a DSLR camera. Um, I never worked with one before. And so I was doing some different focus things and messing around. And, of course, I got the tree between me and, you know, where I think the deer is going to come out. And about 6 p.m., I just happened to peek around the tree. And right there at 15 yards, I don't know how long she'd been there, (laughs) there's a big doe standing right there, 15 yards away. So I go to tell Corey. Of course, he already sees her. He reaches for his bow, takes it off the hanger, comes to full draw just as I'm able to barely get the camera on, get the camera in focus. And I say, okay, Corey, now you can take the shot. And he, he hits this doe. Um, and we were both like, I was excited. Corey is very cool, like cool cucumber kind of guy, like real laid back. And so, uh, he was excited, but we reviewed the footage, realized hit her a little high and a little back. And so the tracking was extremely hard. It rained. Uh, a little pop-up rain shower we knew nothing about happened 30 minutes later. So we got down out real quick. Good blood on the arrow, but only one drop of blood otherwise. And we, long story short, we searched and searched for like an hour. Finally started grid searching. Uh, we found like a little bit of like intestine hanging on a plant uh, out in the middle of like kind of like a CRP field where she may have dropped over from a path that she ran out down into this. And so we started searching there, and Corey found his own deer. I was up above him about 20 yards, kind of going through this thick stuff. He dropped into the woods, and there she was piled up. And we believe she died within 30 seconds of him shooting her. I think he caught back of lungs, and just the angle um, kind of plugged everything up so he didn't have any blood. But Corey was was thrilled. I was thrilled, and there's an early season goal. I just felt so happy for him because last year, about this time, is when Corey started filming me and just kind of testing the waters. This winter, he bought his bow. He uh, went turkey hunting with me, and on his second hunt ever, uh, Corey gets his doe, and I, I just I'm pumped. I'm glad I got to be a part of that. That video will be coming out soon. The video of my nephew Jensen that is out. You can go to our YouTube channel, Shedding Light Outdoors, and you can see Jensen's first buck. And my brother filmed it all on a cell phone, <laughs> so uh, it's actually some pretty good footage. Uh, he did a real good job, and I kind of string that together for him. And it's it's cool to see Jensen's. Uh, he's six years old, and he shoots an eight point. So check that out. I'll drop a link below actually, so you can look at that. And that brings us to today's guest. Season's already in full swing. I'm sure that you have climbed up a few trees yourself, or maybe you hunt out of a ladder stand or saddle, or maybe you sit on the ground in a blind. We all have different ways in which we hunt. But 
Our guest today, his name is Casey Parsons, and Casey has been on this show before, actually, uh, with his girlfriend, Cammie. Uh, this was a while back, and Casey um, went to uh, just go out for a day where he was not going to hunt, and he ended up climbing a tree anyhow, and Casey fell 25 feet out of a tree. He tells that story today. What happened, uh, how he never hunts, you know, he never goes without a safety harness, and this is the one time that he did, and he fell 25 feet. And I'm so glad that Casey was able to come into my office, sit down with me, and tell this story um, two weeks after it happened. So we're going to dive into that. Before we get to that, we talk about some of Casey's buck stories, some of his largest bucks, the ones that got away. It's some good stories from Casey. And then we get into this, this topic, and I want you guys to listen to it. It's something we all need to be reminded of. How quickly things can go south. So we're going to jump right in. Here is Casey Parsons. Well, guys, I'm happy to be back in the same room with a good friend that I've uh, been able to get to know over the last couple of years, Casey Parsons. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too. How's how's life going? Oh, it's it's pretty interesting right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if guys have read the description, uh, they probably already know what this is about. But we're going to save that story for a little bit. Uh, go ahead. We had you back on with Cammy, uh, your girlfriend, a good while back. But uh, go ahead and reintroduce yourself uh, in case guys didn't listen to that episode. All right. So as Travis said, my name is Casey Parsons. I'm uh, 22 years old. I'm from here, Marietta, Ohio. I uh, attend Ohio Valley University. It's a Division II Christian college, and it, it's done me very well. But it's given me the blessing to be able to hunt and chase the adventures as well as I attend school there. Um, I go to school, I'm on the wrestling team, and I also work part-time about 15, 20 hours a week, which is it's, it's tough to keep up with all the hobbies and the sportings <laughs> and everything, but it's been pretty nice living here with everything going on. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, we're in Appalachia here. we got the hills around us. and um, Now, do you, hunt, do you hunt both Ohio and West Virginia, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so you got double the opportunity, and I think you can kill like 30 bucks in, in West Virginia. I think it's like sure. 32, something 32, like that. 32, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, that's awesome, man. So you grew up in this area. Where do you where do you work at now? I work at Silicon Processes Incorporated. It's actually on Southside Parkersburg. It's in West Virginia. Um, okay. I work on the railroad and I run heavy machinery over there. Oh, cool! I yeah. didn't know that. Awesome, man. And uh, Cammy, she's not shot any giant uh, booners yet this year, right? Not this year. She's only got out a couple times, and it's been the hot days instead of cool fronts. She moved back home to Steubenville. She's doing her masters up there, so she's only here on the weekends. So okay, gotcha. It's a lot harder for her this year. <laughs> gotcha. Well, last time uh, we heard some of your guys' adventures together. Uh, had a cool video of <laughs> Cammy <laughs> shooting this buck and a great buck, and just and that was like. Or second time out, maybe, or first or second yeah, time. So you guys can go back and listen to that. I wanted to dive into some Casey stories because I know that you've had some good experiences as well. So uh, I know you've had an opportunity to take some big bucks and some other opportunities. So just thought we had to hear some more of those stories. All right, so my hunting all started when I was about six years old. I actually was in the woods before that, but the first time I actually carried a gun was about six and I actually killed an eight point that first time carrying a gun. And wow. every year, except for two years since I was six years old, I've killed a buck. And so I've been very blessed. I've actually shot my first doe two years ago. I'm 20 years old and shot my first doe. Cause Whoa, that's our, unique. I know our family doesn't eat that much deer meat. So it just covers me, my dad, and my brother. Well, now my brother's gone. It's just me and my dad. Mom doesn't need it. You know, she's too soft hearted. She, <laughs> she likes like burgers and stuff, but she's not done like the killing part. Um, and so it was pretty cool. Actually, it was the longest shot I ever made, too. It was a 46-yard shot on that bow, open field, no wind. It was nice. But back in 2017 was my biggest buck I've killed. It was November 7th, I believe. November 4th and November 7th. But it was a 
foggy morning, super foggy. I'm talking like couldn't see 10 foot in front of your face. And it was like 1145 now and the fog finally lifted. And I'm like, all right, whatever. My friend at the time, my girlfriend, my high school sweetheart, it was my senior year of high school. She, she actually, she's like, I got to go to the bathroom. We need to go. Of course, you know, the girls, they can't, <laughs> like we got to go back to the house. So we're packing up. I got my backpack on, got all the camera gear put away. And I mean, I'm like, my backpack's huge. Like I've got blankets, like pillows for the girlfriend, you know, like the whole nine yards, keep them happy just to keep them out there. And we, I stand up and pick up my bow. And whenever I stand up, I lean out forward. My head actually comes out of the blind and standing seven yards in front of my blind, there's a 142 inch 10 point that we called Mr. Krabs. Wow. And so I was like, holy cow. Last time I had this deer on camera, it was like three days ago mile out the road and a, a bottom that's now actually built into a house but which sucks but he traveled up onto this ridge top about a mile away from last time i saw him and was standing there seven yards the fog just lifted to where i could see about 30 yards and he's at seven and i'm like holy cow so i sit back down and i leave the backpack on and i look at my girlfriend at the time and i said all right you need to get your phone out and videotape she pulls her phone out and sticks it up the edge of the blind and she drops it it falls out of the blind (laughs) and hits the ground i'm like are you kidding me so this buck's now looking at me and i'm like what what's going on like it's middle middle of like the not pre-rut but beginning of the rut like he's he's kind of hurting a little bit but he's not fully chasing yeah and so i've grabbed my bow and i put put my arrow in knock it get the release on and the blind swung enough I had to stick the arrow out of the blind to pull back. And so when I did, I pulled back my rage, caught the blind, shook the blind, cut the blind open, split the front of the window open, and the broadhead opened. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I've heard horrible stories about broadheads that are open. I said, but he's literally seven yards. I mean, he's not from us to the doorway. Yeah. So I just went ahead and sent it. I was like, open broadhead already, and I hit the deer, double-lunged him, and he ran 20 yards and crashed. It was the wildest time of my life because I, you know, I'm still backpack going, like yeah. ready to walk home. And I'm like, I don't even know what just happened. It was insane. Yeah. And that was the first time that I actually shot a deer for about 120 and he scored 142 and some change. Wow. First, first deer ever mounted first. It was, it was crazy. It was that's cool. What's your girlfriend's reaction? She she didn't even know what happened. And she looked at me. She said, can we still go home? Can we get him later? Like, she still wanted to get home. <laughs> she had to go. She was cold and had to use the bathroom. She's like, I just went out of here. So we did. We went home, called up all the friends, and had the big group come out and get him. It was, it was really nice. Just That's cool. Get everyone out there together. How did you get that first? Uh, you said on your first hunt, you got a deer. And I don't know if I heard that story. How did you get your first deer? So all my family is already in the woods hunting. And I had wrestling practice at 6 o'clock. And it was like 5.30. It was already dark out. Well, not already dark, but getting dark like earlier. It's mm-hmm. like I hadn't shot a deer yet. And it was the first time my dad actually let me carry a gun, like actually carry it myself instead of just sitting in a tree stand, him handing it to me. Right. And so... We were walking out this well road to actually go get my family and walk out with them. We were just going to go check the field, make sure nothing was in it before they came out so we didn't bust the deer. And the eight point stood up, and it was really cool because he was on this hillside, and I actually shot him, and he ran up the hill and into a graveyard and died leaning against a grave that's probably five foot away from all of my family members that are buried there. And so it was really weird. He was right there. It was, wow. Oh, my mouth's hanging open, man. That's crazy. That's weird. It, it that's was, like a good Halloween story right there. I, I know. It was easy to pick up, too, because we just drove into the graveyard and just picked him up. It was, it was it was pretty cool, but that was my first deer, and we weren't really sitting. We were just walking out this well road, gravel, well, uh, gravel road, middle, I mean, it's in the bottom and two hillsides on each side and he just stood up on the hillside and started feeding Hmm. didn't even care we were there that's cool man 
Well, it sounds like you've had some really neat and some really cool experiences. I want to ask you, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. The one that got away. Is there any story about the buck? I, know, I think actually last time I had you on, you did mention that one. I, but is there any other stories that come to mind like the one that got away? So I think we did talk about my monster. Actually, no, I don't think we did. Last year, actually, because it was about two years ago when I was on with you. Okay. When Cammie shot her big buck. Yeah. Probably about a year and a half ago because it was late muzzleloader season. But uh, last year, actually, I had this eight point that would probably would have went 150 to 160. And for an eight point around here, that's, that's huge. huge. Yeah. I mean, he had 15 inch tines. Like, he was ginormous. And me and Cammie were in the stand again. And he came in, and at first, I didn't realize what bucket was. So, Cammie, this was before she was using a compound, she had the crossbow up, crosshairs on it, and it's walking <laughs> towards us. And she goes, Casey, this deer is really big. And I'm like, What? Like, this deer doesn't look that big. And so, I pulled up the camera and I zoomed in better. And my jaw dropped. And I was like, put your bow down. You, you did tell this story because I know what happened. <laughs> I was like, put your bow away. I got That's this. That's all right. Go ahead. He, he came in and stood broadside at what I thought was 30 yards. But we were on a hillside. And I'm talking to my hands. You guys can't see me. But it's shelved. And so I was up on the top shelf. And there's another shelf right here at the well road. And there's another shelf right below it. And it looked to be 30 yards. But when you're looking downhill on oh, shelves, man. it's very deceiving. It's hard, yeah. So pulled back, settled in perfect shot you know it's flying through the air i'm like this deer's dead and he's not going anywhere and i end up just cutting his belly open and it was the worst time in my life because i ranged it after he left he's at 53 yards wow. and so i got lucky to even just skim him i'm surprised that i didn't drop more but i tracked him for you know a couple hours i let him think to go lay down for a couple hours and then yeah. i went because i had blood hair arrow everything so Next morning, I went back in and I checked the trail camera, and he was back on camera six hours later, standing there, and you could see the cut on his belly. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> but another, the first one that got away. In case you guys have heard that story, it was a farm right by my house here in Marietta, and I was in a stand alone, and this was probably my freshman year of college, I want to say, maybe even earlier than that. And I, it's the first time I ever rattled a deer in. Rattled the deer in, he came running, this big eight point, or no, this one was a 10 point, big 10 point came running in. And he wasn't really tall, he wasn't thick. My deer don't get massed or anything funky like that. He was just super wide. And so he starts making a rub on this tree like 10 yards in front of me. And it was the first deer I ever shoulder punched. And that arrow hit and it maybe went in like three inches. And it just stopped. I caught every bone on the way in. Oh, that's a terrible feeling to do. I know. I hate injuring animals. It was the first deer that I ever act, and it's actually to this day the only deer that I ever actually hit that would have impacted a deer, and it it lived. But the one that got away, as in, it's the only deer I've ever actually injured. Like the one I shot last year and belly skimmed yeah. it. It was like he just cut himself on a barbed wire fence. You know, it's just enough to take the hair and the skin off. Yeah. And so that really got to me. And that was whenever I actually started taking my archery a lot more serious and practicing every day, making sure their shots would be good because there's no reason to injure an animal in my eyes. I, it, yeah. It's the worst feeling in the world. I had a unique opportunity yesterday. Um, so at OVU, there's uh, a lot of foreign students, yep. and they have this program called the ESL, and I got invited to go over to a coffee shop and just talk to some of the students over mm -hmm. there. And so there was three guys from Spain. Yeah. And if you talk to me for two hours, hunting's probably going to come up, right? Of course. So, <laughs> so I started talking about hunting. So they started asking all kinds of questions, and the one guy like, you use bow and arrow? Like, yeah, yeah. I use the bow and arrow. He's like, uh, 
But and I showed him a video of uh, of the buck that I shot. He's yeah. like, "But they run." He goes, "They run away." I was like, "Yeah, but if you make a good shot, <laughs> I was like, they don't run as far." I was like, "Yes, they run, but the idea is they'll fall within a hundred yards." And then we had to convert that to meters so they would understand. Yeah. But, but yeah, it is. It is. Um, whenever you're using any type of, I mean, guys that have rifle hunted, you're kind of used to them toppling over. Yep. I've never experienced that other than whenever I've accidentally spined an animal, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But with a bow, there's that shot, there's the excitement. Um, buddy Corey shot one last week, and there was that excitement. Like, I heard I heard the pop, but then I thought, maybe that was a little far back. So you look at the video, and that's the benefit of videoing sometimes, is knowing that. But, but yeah, taking that shot, extremely serious. And that's something I've had to do over the years, is get a lot better at, first off, limiting myself, mm-hmm. knowing what that range is that I can do, and second, practicing during the season as well I think is huge my my biggest thing that I was trying to work on was practicing year-round and then also my follow-up everyone shoots that deer they get excited you know your buddy Corey is first year so I'm sure he started jumping you know turning for high fives and everything my biggest thing is is not taking the eyes off that animal until you cannot see it anymore and then taking a picture with your mental just mental picture of where that deer went and target something what tree he went by or her or whatever and that way whenever you get a track you know like you guys said you had one drop of blood you know you knew exactly where she was going so you were able to sit there and walk and then also the footage probably helped too but it's nice to be able to keep that that focus after the shot and hold the excitement until it's out of range yeah. and out of sight. That's then. so hard to do. So hard to do. And I was probably more excited than Corey was. Corey, <laughs> Corey's a very laid back kind of guy. And yeah. Corey, Corey was actually talking about the adrenaline. He's like, this is kind of weird. He goes, cause I'm feeling the adrenaline after the shot instead of before. That's unexpected. Like he's talking like that. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, Oh man, you shot a buck, you know, or shot a doe. And so handshake it, can't even talk. But no, and that's, and that's so true because I, I, I didn't realize it, but that doe that he shot, went down over this this hill through some mm-hmm. like CRP looking kind of stuff and, and ended up dying just out of the tree line. But we could only see her take off through this field, or so I thought. Yeah. Whenever I went back and watched the video again, I didn't realize about the last second that I have her in the frame, you can see the path that she comes down off. Yep. We went out past that probably 100 yards and were lurking. I mean, we spent an hour before we started grid searching just looking for that first drop of blood yeah and had we taken that time like you just suggested you know that's that's such good because like, like, you see it on tv guys are pumped up they're high-fiving but I but think it's usually really on good tv advice. how many guys they got sitting there watching you know yeah. they got, how many cameras they got on it whenever you just have your you know the middle class kind of guys out here yeah. hunting like we have the nice cameras and stuff yes but sometimes self-hunt even buddy hunts we just kind of forget what we're doing because we're excited to kill a deer we don't get the opportunity every day to go yeah. harvest the animal and so it's just so hard to keep that focus, and that's my biggest thing because I've had friends that lose deer. I've had friends that we've been out tracking for hours and can't find the deer, and it, it's heartbreaking. Cause, yeah. And it's just because they took their eyes off the deer 10 seconds too early. Yeah, you just don't know which way it went. Yeah. That's good, real good. Well, I, want, I wanted to dive in. I, I reached out to you last week, um, and I wanted to kind of talk about the events that happened. Uh, this is what two weeks ago, yep. or close to that. Two Sundays ago. Two Sundays ago. So I want to let you tell the story. I mean, I know some of the details, but um, I thought I'd just kind of start off. You know, maybe the hunt before, and then what kind of led up to uh, what happened. Okay, so it was opening weekend, but previous to that, the weekend before, I've had the I've had the deer on camera there. I know what deer we're going after. And this was actually my girlfriend's stand. Cammy was going after a certain deer, and I was like, "This is this is your deer. 
we're going to hunt it hard. So the weekend before season, me and my buddy Justin Radabaugh and Cammie went out and we uh, set up these stands. And, you know, I got up there and I hung the stands. They felt comfortable. Everything was good. And so I climbed down and I looked up and I said, man, it'd be a shame if someone fell out of this tree stand. I said, will you guys help me clear this area real quick? If someone falls, they're going to die. There's 12 to 13 inch logs laying below this tree stand. I said, let's clear this area, cut down all the saplings around it and move all the rocks in case someone would happen to fall. And so we took about a half an hour moving logs, cutting down saplings, cutting out the vines, cutting out and making sure that ground would have been a good bed to land in. And I just had that weird feeling, you know, you just, Mm. I've never done that before. This is the first time in my life. And Honestly, I did it because, you know, if my girlfriend would ever fall out of a tree stand, it would break my heart. And reminder to you guys, I am huge on safety. Always wear my harness. Like, as soon as I clip in, it doesn't come unclipped until I'm leaving the stand. I have bought harnesses for people that I don't even really hunt with strictly to keep them safe as well. Like, safety is huge. I work in safety harnesses at work. I mean, we safety is huge to me. So I had all the safety harness gear up in the stand cleared the area for someone to fall, which was really weird. It's not like, you know, every day you just think, oh, I'm going to fall out of this tree stand next weekend. I'm going to clear this area. Yeah. I was thinking for others, not even for myself. I just had that weird feeling. And so the next weekend, that Saturday, we got up. Beautiful day for opening day. It was gorgeous. We went up there, had a great morning hunt, saw one little buck, didn't see our shooter, but thanking God just to be in the stand, you know. Hunted Saturday evening, saw the same little buck, not the shooter, like whatever Sunday I don't know if you remember but it was hot it was blazing this thing is 83 and so I was like you know what let's just take a day to relax and just enjoy our time together hang out and so we did we didn't even hunt morning or evening woke up well of course we didn't hunt the evening but woke up took a nice breakfast you know went out took care of all of our all of our stands went out put out corn checked out the cameras did the whole nine yards and I saved that stand for last and we went down there and Thankfully, I was using the side-by-side Yamaha Rhino. We went down there, and I, for some reason, backed the Rhino into the stand. And it's like a very tight trail. And for some reason, I had a feeling back the Rhino in. I backed the Rhino in instead of pulling, and I always pull it in. So I backed in this time, got out, crossed the fence, and got everything taken care of. Trail camera checked, was deleting the pictures, whole nine yards. And I looked up, and I forgot that I left my camera arm in the tree first time in my life ever leaving camera arm in overnight i just was too lazy to carry it i, I won't even lie i was lazy so mm-hmm. i was like i looked at cammy and said give me two minutes and of course again she needs to go home she doesn't feel good because she had too much coffee yeah. and so she's begging me to leave and i said two minutes let me climb up there get that camera arm and we'll get out of here the first mistake was climbing without my harness but in my defense where i was i wouldn't have been clipped in yet i was still on the ladder i climbed up all the way to the top of the ladder just like every other day, you know, yeah. but I'm to the point to where I realized that I felt too comfortable and I didn't even think it through. I climbed up the ladder just like every other day, got to the top and there's three branches, one on my left side of the tree and two on the right. And they're both, all three are about five inches thick. Okay. And so I get to the very top and I always grab a hold of something and readjust my feet before I do anything. Just so I know that I have a steady, firm footing to where if my hands slip or anything, I still have my feet. I'm a wrestler, so I leg ride everything. And so right. I'm able to clamp down the tree with my hips and my thighs and keep my feet steady in case something were to happen with my hands. And once again, I didn't have my harness on. And this is after I adjust myself is usually whenever I clip in. And so I reached up 
to grab that branch. And when I did, I grabbed it right at the base of the tree, how you're supposed to grab a branch. You know, you don't grab a foot out because it's the weak points. Right at the base of the tree, I grabbed a hold and put all my weight onto it as I was adjusting my feet. Well, not all of it, but like 90% of my weight probably. And as I did, that branch broke. And it was literally about 20 foot branch off the side of this tree and it's about five inches thick and it snapped. And that's the last thing I remember. That branch breaking, I hear in that noise and me sticking my hand out to grab a hold of anything that I could get a hold of and I couldn't grab anything. Mm-hmm. And so I fell 25 feet and landed 25 feet from where my feet were, not even. So I level off probably about 30 feet and I landed almost in the fetal position on my right side. I got really lucky. And like yeah. I said, I cleared that bed. If those logs would have still been there, I would have been dead. Wow. And Cammie, yep. she was sitting down there. She heard the branch break. And she looked up, and she had enough time from the time that I fell to the time I hit the ground to take three steps to be able to get to me. And she watched the entire thing. And so for her to watch that of me almost die and then for me to feel it almost die, it, it was crazy. But my thing is, is to everyone that doesn't wear a harness, it happens so quickly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have time to react. I don't remember the fall. When I got to the hospital, I told my mom um, that it's true about when you're about ready to die, your life flashes before your eyes. And that's the only thing I remember. And it felt like maybe one second from the time that I climbed the ladder until the time that I was laying on the ground almost dying. So when I hit, like I said, I got really lucky where I cleared that area. But I landed, and my shoulder, I've had two surgeries on the shoulder already, and I landed straight on that shoulder, then my rib cage, then my hip. My head hit somewhere in between there. I cut open the backside of my, behind my ear, all the way up into my head, uh, my hairline. And then my shoulder just got jammed up real bad. And I fell and it's looking like one, possibly two broken ribs. And then whenever I hit my hip, it just kind of pinched and folded. So were you like, were you conscious or unconscious? I mean, you don't remember a lot because in that moment, but do you remember the moments like right after? Is that still kind yeah. of living? You know when you get the wind knocked out of you? Yeah. That was take that and times that by 10. I ended up collapsing 60% of both lungs. And so whenever I hit and I got the wind knocked out of me, I couldn't get it back. My lungs were collapsed. I could take very shallow breaths and that was it. Mm-hmm. So it took about 30 seconds for me to get vocal. And Cammie comes running up and she's asking me if I'm all right. My temple turned black. My lips were blue and white. And I was coughing and spitting and it was just nasty gunk because everything in my body was coming up right now. And she got to me, and she's never had to call 911. She's never had, never been in a situation like this. So yeah. she's kind of freaking out. And I very horribly get out the words, call my dad. And she said, no, I need to call 911. I said, no, you need to call my dad. And so she calls my dad. And by the time that he answers the phone, I'm, I'm out in the backside of Marietta, right? And he's in on south side at Coles all yeah. the way. So we're about 40 minutes apart from each other. And he answers the phone. I told him what happened. And he asked me, am I, am I all right? Am, am anything broken? Any bones sticking out of my body? Are you bleeding? Like, what's going on? You know, just a normal yeah. checkup. And he actually made it from Coles with, the, with his Jeep Wrangler topping doors off from Coles to the backside of Marietta, which should be about a 40, 45-minute drive, and beat the squad from Lowell there. Well, they didn't wow. beat them. They pulled in almost identically at the same time, probably a 10-second <laughs> difference. He was trying to get there. He was flying. And so... He got there, but the uh, we after talking to Dad, I made Cammy. I said, "Okay, go ahead and call 911." She called 911, and I was actually able to get up. It took me about 10 minutes to get up to my feet, and I actually went down and put my trail camera, turned 
put the uh, memory card back in, turn the camera back on, <laughs> locked it up. The important stuff. I know. You got to get your priorities straight, you know? <laughs> Cammy's fighting me, trying to get everything out of my hand. So she ends up helping me get the memory card in. She does most of the work because, you know, I'm still crippled, bent over, can't breathe. My like feel like I'm bleeding from every hole in my body. And we walk over, and I had to cross this fence again. And I that was, that was about the breaking point. And so I got into the rhino. And we were driving, and it's through a cattle pasture. And I told Cammy, I said, go slow. These cattle have the big feet, you know, they mix the holes. I said, if you hit a bump, it could seriously injure me. I mean, I'm to the point where I don't know if my neck's broke, my back's broke. I said, I have all access, like, movement to my limbs. I said, but something could still be wrong. You hit one bump, and I could be dead. And I said, take your time. I look over, and I swear to you, she was going 33 mile an hour through this field. <laughs> she wanted to get you to that ambulance. Dude, yeah. she hit this 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 uh, little ravine where the cattle kind of walk down. It's just kind of like a little point. Water and the cattle use it as the crossing of the wood line. And she hit that, and I'm not kidding you. I thought I broke every bone in my – it hurt worse oh, than the no. fall. I was so much pain. And so I'm yelling at her, and I shouldn't have been. I kind of lost the moment, you know. Yeah. There's just so much pain, I kind of lost it. And so she gets me down. I call on the way down. I call the farmer, and he ha- he was waiting at the cattle gate to open it so we could get out. And he shut the gate for me behind us. We didn't have to stop and didn't have to wait any longer. And we actually passed the squad on the road, and we had to flag them down. And we stopped, blocked the road right there. And the police department came and they shut down every intersection from Lowell to Marietta. And they had me and Marietta like that. But my dad being crazy, he had to take the rhino, load it up on the trailer, strap it down, and then get in my Jeep. And he ended up beating the squad to the hospital because he took back roads. Wow. He got there at the same exact time again, <laughs> pulling, uh, driving a standard and pulling a trailer, a lifted Jeep on 35s. It was, it was crazy. But we get to the hospital and they did hundreds of full body x-rays and ct scans man and no broken bones are showing which ribs they don't really show if they're broken or not because they go back in place you know the only way you can tell if ribs broke if it doesn't like go back to where it should be the fractures are so small it's like the size of a hair so you can't really tell but they came in and let me know my lungs were collapsed and it said like hey if this doesn't fix within you know an hour or two show any progress we're gonna have to put a chest tube in and put you on you're not gonna breathe for yourself anymore we're gonna have to breathe for you and so it was really scary i mean like i'm like sitting here i'm hurting like crazy they just pumped me full of morphine and now they're telling me they're gonna put a tube through my chest into my lungs so i'm like i'm freaking out you know mom's in there she's losing it and they put me on a full mask. They had me on just the, the nose mm-hmm. cannon at first, and then they put me on a full mask, and they bumped it all the way up to six. They said that they haven't done this in like a year. They've never ran six this year. And so this was, it felt like someone had a literally an air wand blowing oxygen into my face. And so it's like I wasn't even breathing for myself on that either. And it took about 12 hours for my lungs to reinflate, get back to normal, and I was pretty much good, you know. I, I had the night to recover but then the next morning at eight o'clock my mom comes into the hospital because of covid you can only be there from eight to eight one person a day it's it's absolutely absurd but she comes in and when she walked in i was out of my bed touching my toes and she walked in and it it was literally a miracle Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that i should be thankful for right now and realizing where where i messed up and then what i need to do from moving on but the cool part was is i made a facebook post and it wasn't supposed to do what it did, but I'm glad it did. I have family all over the country. So I use Facebook as, hey, guys, this is what happened, just letting you know, you know. Yeah. And uh, 
put that Facebook post on, and within 48 hours, it had over 2,000 shares and like 1,500 comments. And a lot of the shares came from a public or a, a private Facebook page. Yeah. Luckily, I'm in a lot of them, you know, like all yeah. the hunting public and all yeah. that stuff. But I got over 200 messages on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> um, and it was actually bad for me because it gave me a mental breakdown. I, I actually thought that I was going to go see a therapist. It got so bad because about a, probably 50% of the messages were people messaging me, telling me that their loved one, their husband, their son, daughter, whoever fell that day too and died and that they have a funeral this week. And it was more of like, I don't know why you survived and my husband didn't kind of thing. Yeah. And so it really got to me. But the other 50% of the messages, which is why I didn't quit reading them, is I should have been sponsored by Lifeline or Hunter Safety System this this past weekend because I have over probably 100 to 150 people that sent me receipts of their purchase of safety harnesses and Lifelines. And I had people offering to buy me more safety gear because they thought, oh, you fail, you don't use safety gear, which I do. It was just a stupid decision in the minute, you know, just I need that down. It's a lot of expensive equipment to leave in a tree when it's about ready to rain. Just a stupid decision right away. And so... I had people offering to buy me lifelines. Well, I went ahead and bought my own lifelines. I, I don't like being a charity. I don't like people buying yeah. stuff for me. And so my takeaway from this fall is, one, I need to be thankful, and I need to praise the Lord a lot more from this because my grandfather just passed away a couple weeks before, and then something else happened. And so I told Cammie, I said, it always happens in threes. I said, this happened freshman year in college when I ran my truck in the pond and about drowned in my truck. I said, it always comes in threes. Freshman year, grandma passed away, dog died, car crash. This year it was, um, oh, I know what it was. I was, I've, my grandpa passed away, possibly diagnosed with Crohn's or IBS, and then the third was I fell out of my tree stand. So the past month and a half, six weeks, seven weeks, have been the hardest time in my life, well, in the past four years, because freshman year was just as bad. But I've realized that I need to look at our Lord more and kind of be thankful and and, and come to prayer a lot more because he, I don't know if it was him or my grandpa, but someone definitely caught me. I fell 25 feet and landed on my back and I didn't break a single bone, but possibly a rib and a rib is, you know, who cares? Like it, there's nothing you can do for it, you know? And so I realized how thankful I should be, but also how stupid I am for climbing that tree without being tied off and how stupid I am for not having a lifeline yet. And it's horrible that something like this happens to make us buy a lifeline. But now that it has happened, I will be the biggest advocate for a lifeline. I will tell you that no one should leave the ground without being clipped in ever again. And I'm gonna stay in my saddle a lot more now too, because <laughs> yeah. you know, the lineman's belt yeah. and the tether. I climbed up in my saddle the other night and I felt like I could do backflips because <laughs> I was so safe, you know, you're just hanging there. And yeah. it's just crazy, the takeaway from this because something horrible happens. I mean, possibly two broken ribs, collapsed lung and jacked up my back a little bit. and. I shouldn't have walked away, you know. I have friends, I'm sure you know some of the people around here local that are paralyzed now um, from where they have fallen. And I know people that have died, and I know stories that, like, make you not want to sleep at night because it happens every day. When I was in the hospital Sunday, it might have been a HIPAA violation, I don't know, but the lady told me that I was the fifth person that fell in 48 hours here wow. in Marietta. Wow. And I'm the only one that I heard of. Yeah. You don't hear of it because no one wants to tell people because they weren't wearing their safety gear. Where me, on the other hand, I'm like, listen, I was stupid. You don't be stupid. Let's do this together. I'll help you. You help me. Let's just stay safe because it's just not worth it. Whether if you're chasing a deer or 
I don't even know. Well, no matter what you're doing, whether if you're rock climbing or hunting or working, wear your safety harness. And 90% of the falls happen getting in and out of your stand. Yep. Once you're in, you're usually good, you know. Yeah. Still wear your safety harness because you're hanging up there by a, a ratchet strap, you know. It's 20-some yeah. feet up in the air, 15, however high you hunt. It's <clears throat> your choice. But a ratchet strap is saving your life right now. It's what is continuing to live. So just reinforce that with an extra strap, you know. Wear your vest and tie off. Yeah. Like you, once you get tied in, you don't even know you're tied in. Like it's not like you're suspended or yeah. you're not tied off to where you lose movement. Like you're good. You know, you have all the range of movement. Okay, see, I, um, man, first off, I just think that that's, I really appreciate you being willing to share that, you know, and, and talk to people about a mistake that you made. And, and let's be real. I mean, I think, uh, and in fact, I think two podcasts ago, I talked about whenever I first started you know, mobile hunting. I had like a $40 aluminum climber. I didn't wear a harness, you know, I didn't, I never even thought about it. I'd climb up and so much could have gone wrong with that. You know, I didn't go up super high, but still a a fall at any height is, is potentially, um, you know, dangerous. And so I I think, I think there's a lot to be learned. I I think, I I know some people that just kind of laugh it off and it's kind of like, well, we never wore those back in the 70s and 80s. I I kind of am curious what the statistics are back then. I know. As far as how many people actually did die. Because they're climbing those wooden ladders too, back and making your own stand and everything. It couldn't have been good. And just because it's the good old days doesn't mean that people didn't get hurt back then and you don't hear about it. So I I really um, applaud you for using this as a way to... Uh, guys, if you're listening to this and it's just something that maybe you don't think about or you think, well, I, I climb up, but, you know, I have a climber. Well, listen, that bottom can kick loose. Those cables can snap. Um, you know, it's not that hard to wear a safety harness, put it around your the top of your climber and move it up as you go so that you, you know, if something would happen, you just watch some videos, just Google, you know, climber fails because I've seen some of those and people, you drop, I mean, people drop super fast. And the other thing, like you said, I, I think all of us think, well, I'm, I'm in my prime or I'm pretty athletic. I can climb up the steps and then I'll clip in once I get to the top. But in your case here, you're 22 years old, you're an athlete, and there's nothing you could have done to present, prevent what happened. Yeah. And I think I just encourage guys, hey, if, if, <laughs> if price is an issue, reach out to me, reach out to Casey. Well, he's got a bunch of sponsors now apparently at Lifeline, <laughs> so he can probably hook you up. But no, seriously, uh, we, we care about people's safety. But I also think what's really neat, I, like you said, God was definitely doing something there. Yeah. Like the fact that you did all of those little things lining up, you cleaning out that spot so you didn't land on a rock, that would have been a completely different outcome. You having the rhino there so Cammy could get you in it and get you out of there mm-hmm. even though she hit a bunch of bumps yeah. on the way out, you know. Um, yeah, God, I think, maybe is is using these things in our lives. Um, I've had a few of those moments, too. It's just kind of like, okay, maybe he's trying to get my attention. Maybe he's trying to teach me something. Maybe I need to spend some time, like you said, in prayer so I know what that is. Yeah. You know, um, It's possible to miss sometimes what he's saying, and so we don't want to miss that. But I think that's... We've all got those things we can think, well, maybe that's just a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that you guys move those rocks no. um, at all. No, it's not. And, I mean, even the logs. The rocks, they would have probably done some damage. But, you know, the falling down tree could have been 10 to 20 inches thick. If you fell in one of those, and it would have just made you look like a scorpion and broke your back instantly. I mean, if I would have fallen anywhere other than where I cleaned, I would have been. I would probably would have been dead. And so... It's, yeah. it's a huge thing. And I'm going to start cleaning off the areas again, too, because even when you're wearing safety harness, you still have to be prepared because it's just a strap. There yeah. is uh, 
mechanical issues and things like that, and it's not 100% bulletproof. So there's still things that could happen. Yeah. Well, what's the plan for the rest of the season? You're going to lay it off, retire, not hunt anymore, uh, just to <laughs> relax? I know you can't do that. <laughs> so I, I fell Sunday the 27th, and Wednesday – I don't even know what day it was, whatever it's October 1st or the 30th or whatever. I don't know what day it was exactly, but it took from Sunday to Wednesday for me to be back in a tree. <laughs> and I didn't get into the um, the uh, hang-on stands. I got into a, a buddy stand. to I'm going to work my way up. Yeah. So I started off, you know, the 12-foot buddy stand. It was actually the first tree stand I've ever owned. My dad bought it for me whenever I was 10 years old, and I still use it to the day. And so I hunted that stand, and I went up and hunted my saddle. And so I'm slowly getting back into it, getting higher up off the ground. But I, I'm realizing a lot more. And what my biggest takeaway from this fall is, is once you feel comfortable, that's when accidents are going to happen. And it's just once you get comfortable, you start not looking at every step and with detail and it's exactly what I did. I got up there, got too comfortable, you know, and just rushed instead of just taking my time and realizing what danger I'm putting myself in by being comfortable doing it. I'm not saying be scared to climb, yeah, but be aware of what you're doing and pay attention to where you're not just running up the stand and jumping in as fast as you can. Get up there, check your straps, check your ladder before you go up. Once you get in, tie off or use your lifeline. Use a dang lifeline, actually. <laughs> Once you get up there, make sure your lifeline's good. Make sure your your Persic, Prusik, whatever that word is, not is good. It's not going to malfunction itself. Get up there. Before you unclip from your lifeline, clip into your other line, you know? Yeah. Never be unclipped. And that is the huge thing for me now. Yeah. I'd say with saddle hunting, what I've learned um, in previous years, my well, actually my first full year last year, I had a hard time going up a tree with a lot of limbs. So saddle hunters, you guys know you go up a tree, you got your lineman's belt as you're going, you're climbing up. I had spurs, which I got rid of those because they weren't safe. Yeah. <laughs> but I was using spurs, and I would go up, and I'd get to a limb, and I'd be like, well, I think I can grab a hold of the limb, unhook real quick with one hand, pull it up over, and hook back in. Stupid. Yep. You know, those, if I gaff out at that moment, which gaff out, I had a few of those, and yes. that's why I don't have spurs anymore. But I'm down. I'm. It's over. It's toast, yeah. you know. So... What I've done now is I'll have that lineman's belt. I'll take my, my tether. If there's a bunch of limbs, I'll yep. take my tether. I'll just run it through itself in uh, one of my bridge loops, and then I'll just kind of hold it over my neck. You know, Don't clip it. Just hang it there so I've got it easily. So if I get up to a limb, that goes up and over, and basically I'm running two lineman's belts, yep. and I'm connected the entire time. And, and so that's how I've done it. It takes a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but I feel so much more secure, safe, and now I'm using sticks instead of the spurs, so yeah. I'm slowly learning too, you know, because yeah. it's, I have uh, a family I want to get home to in one piece, and uh, my wife told me if I ever died, she'd really hate hunting then. You yeah, know, you know, so. exactly. <laughs> Can't have that happen. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Casey, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, shooting straight, being honest. I hope some guys will listen to this, some girls will listen to this, and um you know, I hope that uh, <laughs> yeah. the sales go up on the lifelines and, and those kind of things. So, but thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's a good time. It was a good time, man. I appreciate Casey coming on and telling those stories and just shooting straight with us about being safe uh, from ground up. And that's my challenge to you guys. I'm just going to say it again. If you hunt without that type of thing, without a safety harness, get you a safety harness. If you hunt with a safety harness, but you wait till you're already standing on your platform 25 feet up, 
Get yourself a lifeline. Get yourself just a, a rope, you know, something to keep you safe as you climb. If you're a climber, make sure you're hooking on at the base. If you're a saddle hunter, don't ever unclip until you are tethered in at the top. Uh, whatever the case is, however you hunt, make sure you're doing it safe so that you can get home safe to your families. We all need a lifeline because there's going to come a moment in our lives whenever the bottom kicks out from underneath of us and what is going to be hanging on to us then. You know, Peter knew that. Peter ventured out into the unknown. He hopped out of the boat when nobody else would because he wanted to get close to Jesus. But in the process, he took his eyes off the prize. He looked at the waves that were coming up around his ankles like we all do. And in that moment, Peter starts to fall. We all have that moment where the bottom kicks out from underneath of us and we start to fall in some way or another. What we need is a Savior that despite our doubts, despite our stupidity, reaches down and catches us. Jesus grabs a hold of the wrist of Peter and he pulls him back and gets him into the boat into safety. That's our lifeline. That's my lifeline in this life. I've gone through challenges and you guys know some of those and you've gone through challenges and there's only one thing I know that has the ability to hold the weight as we're falling and that is the strong arm of Jesus Christ. So that's something for you to consider. Uh, maybe you're just kind of risking it. You're going through life like, yeah, I kind of know that Jesus guy, but I don't really, I'm not really putting my weight on it. Test it out. Test it out and make and see. You know, check that that out more and make sure that if you were ever to fall, you have somebody that's going to be there to catch you. Guys, I appreciate you listening to the episode again. I hope that you will come back for another episode next week. It's going to be another good one. Guys, thanks so much for listening and remember to shed the light. <laughs>